I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the VMTV Rugby Pod. I'm Dave McIntyre and we are preparing for a huge weekend. Week two of this season's Guinness Six Nations Championship. Every game of which is live on Virgin Media 1 tomorrow. You can see England take on Italy, followed by Scotland-Wales at Murrayfield. And then, of course, we'll be live from the Viva Stadium Sunday when Ireland take on France. Today, I'm going to be joined by Virgin Media Rugby analysts Matt Williams and Alan Quinlan. An awful lot to sift through from today's team news for Ireland's game with the French on Sunday. It's just in in the last couple of hours. We'll also take a look at tomorrow's games. But it is with Ireland we're going to start. And that matchday squad announced today by head coach Andy Farrell. I'm delighted to be joined by Virgin Media's rugby correspondent Sinead Kassan. Sinead, I'm going to describe today's team news as explosive. There's an awful lot to digest from it. Four changes, all enforced, all to key men. If you can run us through the match day 23 and then we'll try and get our heads around it. Yeah, Dave, it was very explosive, I have to say. I suppose we, we kind of heard some soundings coming through earlier today that James Ryan might not make it, that Johnny Sexton might not make it. But then we got the news about Conor Murray and that really... Um, that was really unexpected. So we have Hugo Keane at 15, uh, Keith Earls on the right wing, Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw on the centre, James Lowe on the other wing, Billy Burns uh, making his fifth, uh, playing his fifth game for Ireland at number 10, Jemson Gibson Park at number 9. Keane Healy, Rob Herring and Andrew Porter in the front row, Ty Burner, Ian Henderson in the second row, Reese Ruddock, Josh van der Fleer and uh, CJ Stander then in the back row. And uh, on the bench then we've got Ronan Kelleher, Ed Byrne, Tyke Furlong, Alton Land, Will Connors, Craig Casey, uh, Ross Byrne and Jordan Larmer. But uh, it was a very dramatic announcement, Dave. I don't know if you were in Cardiff in 2015 in the week leading up to that Rugby World Cup quarterfinal against France, but there are many similarities to that week considering the number of key leaders out of the game this week. I mean, if you think back uh, to then, we had uh, Peter O'Mahony was out, Paul O'Connell was out of that game, Johnny Sexton, Jared Payne, Sean O'Brien had that hearing, remember, and he was banned. When you look at this week, for this weekend's game, Johnny Sexton, Conor Murray, James Ryan, Peter O'Mahony suspended, and he was already without Caelan, Doris, and Jacob Stockdale. So a lot of changes there, Dave. Yeah, there really is. It's I'd say it was a shock, when, particularly when he found out that the, the hamstring had gone on Conor Murray and he was sent for a scan. We think, Sinead, it is the first time since the defeat in the Six Nations to Wales in 2011 that Ireland have gone into a game of real significance without either Jonathan Sexton at 10 or Conor Murray at scrum half. But ultimately, we were going to have to end up in this position at some stage where we'd have to have a look at a different halfback pairing. It might as well happen in year two of a World Cup cycle. So here we are. Absolutely. I mean, I think there are whatever 184 caps worth of experience that Ireland are going to be without uh, with no Johnny Sexton or Conor Murray. But there's been so much talk, as you know, of succession planning and all the rest. And Andy Farr was, you know, pointed that out today as well, that this is an opportunity for those players. And, you know, it will be good to see how Billy Burns, you know, goes this weekend. I think it is important for him 
uh, to get back out uh, and play again as soon as possible this week. Because, you know, we all saw the pictures of him at the end of last weekend's game. And, you know, obviously that was a mistake that he made. And, you know, we all know that. But uh, it was tough going to see how, how he took it. And I asked Andy Farrell about that today. How is he? And, well, of course, what else is Andy going to say? But he said, look, he's recovered well. And, um, you know, that he's he's a strong guy. Everybody makes mistakes and the team are right behind him. Um, Jensen Gibson Park as well. We know the kind of the speed that he kind of brings to the game. Of course, I think everybody as well is uh, is uh, looking forward to uh, seeing uh, Craig Casey on the bench. I mean, this guy, uh, he is just so exciting, isn't he? And even Keith Earls was saying today, like, he has no fear whatsoever whatsoever for Craig Casey and uh, just even the way that Andy Farrell was talking about Craig Casey and that he's always spoken about him about the energy that he brings I think Andy really loves that just loves the energy that Craig brings but you could see that as well though in the way that Conor Murray has been playing you know knowing that somebody like Craig Casey is coming up very close behind him you know has uh, I really think has helped up up to Conor's performances but look Andy Farrell we asked him how soon did he find out about Conor Murray? And he was kind of looking at his watch going, well, 15 minutes ago or not that long ago, he had to go for that scan on that hamstring injury. So look, I mean, it is it is very disruptive as much as Andy Farrell is going to say it's not disruptive. Of course it is. You've been in around this Ireland camp for a long time now, Sinead, in pre-COVID times and over the last year as well. And you would have been close enough with your interactions with them this week. Four leaders, the guts of 350 caps gone between O'Mahony, Murray, Sexton and... Uh, the, who else have we lost in the second row? Well, James Ryan James gone as Ryan. well. Another massive leader as well for Ireland. Maybe a captain waiting. So who are the leaders going to be on Sunday? Because somebody else is going to have to really step up. Henderson will be the Ireland captain, the de facto captain. But I guess we're looking at the likes of Stander, Robbie Henshaw, maybe time for him to play a real leadership role. Gary Ringrose as well, perhaps. Yeah, it was interesting, actually, that Andy Farrell mentioned the word calm when a calmness about Ian Henderson when he spoke about him today and spoke about the reasons for making him captain. Because if you think back to last week, it was actually actually CJ Stander who took over as the captain. But of course, Ian is the Ulster captain, so he feels he will bring a kind of a, a calmness there. Um, look, you have Gary Ringrose, who's kind of captain Leinster before in the back line as well. But it was interesting. I asked that to Keith Earls today. You know, without that comfort of all that experience that Sexton and Murray have at half-back, you know, the onus, there is going to be ripple-on effect um, to everybody else in that team. So, and Keith Earls admitted that, look, they're going to have to take on more responsibility, all of them. So, um, I think as well, yeah, Ian Henderson, I think, was really impressive when he came on the last day. Reese Ruddock as well. I mean, another Leinster captain. He's captained Ireland before. Um, so, look, all of them are going to be called on. But, I, you know, you do think back to that end game in Cardiff, and it was players who were didn't have that much experience about them that dug their way right back in that led to that penalty to burn so you know they, they can bring it out of them but look as i said you know there's been enough talk about succession planning and all the rest and we've got it now starting on sunday and the thing is does it decrease the expectation um on andy farrell as well in some ways because we know the injuries that he's got now because there would have been no room for maneuver after that defeat in cardiff going to this game um uh, against france but uh Look, you know, the time has probably come a lot quicker than a lot of us would have expected. But look, you know, the time is now. I mean, we're halfway through the, the World Cup cycle already, you know. Yeah, it has to happen at some stage. Sinead, brilliant stuff. Thanks a million. Thanks, Dave. That's Virgin Media Television's rugby correspondent, Sinead Cassand. She's going to be pitch side for us at the Aviva Stadium on Sunday afternoon. The French side was named today as well. Two changes of their own. Anthony de Gelange comes into the back row. It's his first Six Nations start. Poor old Teddy Thomas dropped again, even 
after scoring a couple of tries in Rome last weekend. Damian Penno, a bit more sturdy in the face of Ireland's kicking game, perhaps. He has come on to the wing. So that's the team news. Matt Williams and Alan Quillen are standing by with their thoughts. But first, let's torture ourselves just one more time with a quick look back on what happened on the opening weekend of this season's Guinness Six Nations Championship. So two head coaches with plenty to prove plotting against each other in Cardiff this afternoon in the rather unsettling environment that is an empty Principality Stadium, for many the greatest rugby cathedral in the world. How we long for the days that venues such as this are heaving on the biggest days once again, as it was two years ago when Wales secured the Grand Slam. Well, this is a huge blow for Ireland. No mitigating factors they could find. And Peter O'Mahony has been sent off. Sexton back for Henshaw. Nice footwork from Robbie Henshaw. Oh, Almost through. Van der Flair reaches. Can't quite get there. And then the follow-up comes in by Ty Byrne. And Ireland get their first try of this year's Six Nations Championship. George North spots the space. And George North goes all the way. Yeah, the space there. North does brilliantly. Here's Halfany. And for the corner, Lewis Rees-Zamet. And I think he's dotted that down. Yeah, he's got it. He's bent that one in nicely. Ireland refusing to give in here, despite all the odds firmly stacked against them. Billy Burns has to be precise. Has he missed it? Billy Burns has failed to find touch. That is an awful way for that game to end. A glorious opportunity for Ireland to snatch it in the death has been coughed up. And Wales have won this game by 21 points to 16, and Billy Bird is heartbroken. Yes, an eventful opening weekend, all right. We should hopefully be a bit happier at the conclusion of round two. Virgin <coughs> Media Rugby analyst Matt Williams and Alan Quinlan with me now to discuss this Irish selection and how they feel Sunday's game will go. Matt, let's start with those changes. The headline being the fact that neither Sexton nor Murray will be there for Ireland in a really significant game for the first time in a decade. Incredible, really. We knew Sexton was a doubt, but now there's no Murray either. What's your reaction to that? I was pretty shocked, to be honest. I, I thought Johnny would be a long shot, to be honest, with the um, uh, regulations as far as uh, HIA goes. He would have had to pass everyone. I, I did suspect that he wouldn't. And the Irish camp were holding back that information so France couldn't plan. I did think they'd pick Ross Byrne, uh, but the Connor Murray one just completely blindsided me. I wasn't I wasn't expecting Connor not to be there. Very, very interesting. It's a huge game, huge game for the coaching staff as well. If they don't win this game, there's going to be a lot of pressure come on Andy Farrell. So he's put a lot of faith in, uh, in that halfback pairing against a very, very good in the world. And Jalabert's uh, hugely improved 10 as well. So big, big calls on both fronts. So if you were the head coach, Matt, you would have gone with Ross Byrne? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The kicking, one of the, the biggest issues uh, last week were, was the kicking out of hand. I thought discipline, they gave away far too many penalties and kicking out of hand. The kicking out of hand from uh, Sexton and Billy Byrne and Keith Earls on one occasion was particularly poor. Connor Murray didn't box kick as well as he can. A couple of poor kicks. And that just took a huge amount of pressure off Wales, who couldn't win a line out for love nor money, but they gave them a lot of possession back. And Ross Byrne is the best tactical kicker in the country. He's a better tactical kicker out of hand, in my opinion, than Sexton. 
if you kick badly against this French team, they'll counterattack you off the park, as they showed against uh, Italy. So I, I certainly would have gone for Byrne in this particular game. I get Matt's reasons for that stance there, Alan, but at the same time, what would it have done to Billy Byrne's confidence, which was probably already fragile given how the game finished in Cardiff, if Sexton goes down and then Ross Byrne comes in from outside of the matchday squad and he's still on the bench? Yeah, I, I always think of these things and the player is still in me, even though I'm gone out of the game a, a, a long time now at this stage. Um, I just think you 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 take a risk. Andy Farrell is taking a risk here. Um, the safer option probably would have been, I agree with Matt, to go for, for Ross Byrne. But if Billy Burns is on the bench, then you start Ross Byrne and he gets an injury, he goes off and Billy Burns is on for 70 minutes. What What's his confidence like? What's his self-belief like? So he's taking the risk now to give him a chance, put his arm around him and say, look, let's forget about last week. Go out, express yourself, start the game well, do the basics well, and hopefully get into the game and grow in a bit of confidence. And uh, he is that kind of guy. I, I listened to his, his, his brother um, uh, speaking about him this morning on, on off the ball. And they, he was talking about, look, he is he has a lot of self-belief and confidence in himself. Um so I just think, look, this is a huge boost for him. This puts, this gives him an opportunity to put last week behind him. But you know, he's got to perform early. He's got to do the basics well early, and uh, you know, a lot of that that will hinge on on you know what the Irish pack do and and Gibson Park's delivery team. You know, do the simple things well. He's got a great experienced man just on his shoulder and Henshaw and Ringrose outside him. Don't overcomplicate it. Just put it through the hands or kick kick it uh, in, tactically well. Give it to Henshaw, give it to Ringrose, let them truck it up, have a go themselves. And um, if the set piece is good, the line out attack, you know, he'll have the ability to do that. And hopefully the game will open up because, you know, the reality is if Ireland are to have any chance on Sunday, it's it's about set piece breakdown and physicality. And if they bring a real attitude and they're under massive pressure, Matt has said it, the coaching staff are under pressure, the players are under pressure. A lot of these guys, I wouldn't say it's last chance saloon, but you know, they mightn't play for Ireland for a while again and if they don't. But Farrell is back to his man and uh, let's see what happens. I hope he goes well. Uh, you know, I'm sure Matt is the same. Both of us would love to see Billy Burns do something brilliant early in the game and, and, and get up and running and grow in confidence. And Matt, there's been an awful lot of talk this week about succession planning or the lack thereof when it comes to Ireland's fly half situation. Well, here we are. Mate, sometimes you need to be careful about what you wish for, but we now have an opportunity to look at life and what it look, might look like beyond the presence of Conor Murray and uh, Jonathan Sexton. And it's a huge, meaningful, significant game in year two of a World Cup cycle. Could this be a blessing for Ireland in the long term? That's a very tough question, Dave. I'm, I, I think there's a significant drop in ability between Conor Murray and Sexton and the rest of the pack of, of nines and tens. If you look across the rest of the park, uh, Todd Byrne proved last week he's putting pressure on everyone. You know, how did he not win man of the match? I, I was astounded that he didn't win man of the match. He was outstanding. Competition in front row. You've got Furlong on the bench. Kelleher is not knocking on the door. For Hooker, he's banging on the door. Uh, the centres, you know, you're not no Bundiaki. That was almost inconceivable 12 months ago. You've got Keenan there saying the 15 jersey's mine. You've got Lama saying, I need to start a game. So you've got competition right across that Irish team, which is really healthy, is a really, really healthy thing for the team, except at 9 and 10. And 
here, as, and I, I, I absolutely back up what Quinny said, no one wants Billy Byrne to fail. I, I hope the young man comes out and has a great game. It was heartbreaking seeing him so upset at the end of that game. And as a coach, Farrell's done the right thing. <clears throat> Excuse me, as, as Alan said, you know, he's backed him. He's backed his player. He's got him and said, listen, mate, everyone has a bad game. Go out and do it again. But there is a huge, huge gulf behind that. So that's the halfback pairing, Quinny. Let's just have a look at the other changes. We felt that James Ryan wouldn't make it, and it's a natural enough switch that Ian Henderson comes into the second row alongside Ty Byrne, and he's going to captain the side as well, which is a huge day for him. He is the Ulster captain as well, so he's hardly out of place in that regard. And then Reese Ruddock, he made his international debut 11 years ago, Quinny, and it has taken that long for him to start a Six Nations game for the first time. And it's hardly a change, I put it to you, that weakens the team. If anything, given his form for Leinster this season, it actually improves that back row. Yeah, it does. And and probably the perception, unfairly, of Reese Ruddock is he's not a flair back rower. He's not this person who's going to make line breaks and offload the ball out of the tackle and, you know, give 20-yard passes and stuff like that. And um, But what you're getting with Reese Ruddock is, is a wonderful, uh, aggressive... 100% work rate. Um, he's a really, really tough nut. I love him. I love I love the, his attitude. I love the way he just goes out and, and rolls up the sleeves. There's no frills. There's no fuss. Um, and that doesn't mean he can't offload the ball. I have to be careful when I say that. Of course, he's a very good, skillful player as well. But what he does best, his biggest strength, is the close contact, the hard yards, the small carries, the t- impact tackles, the ability to counter-ruck, and he's a intelli- very intelligent rugby player as well. So I think he's been unlucky that he hasn't, uh, you know, got a, an extended stay in the team. For he's been injured a number of times, and it's, he's had a, his share of bad luck. But um, I have no issue with him coming into the background. I'd be amazed if Reese Ruddock doesn't have a good game with for Ireland on Sunday because he never lets the side down. So it's not one of those ones where you're thinking, God, we're weakened there. Um, I know probably our first choice back row going in against Scotland would have been. Uh, Stander at six, Doris at eight, and either Van der Fleer or Connors or O'Mahony at seven. Probably O'Mahony at seven. That's what would have started. So Rudder comes in there and he doesn't lessen that presence there in any way, I think. Um, I still think Caelan Doris is a loss to the team, to that back row, because of his football ability. He's such an intelligent player and he's so athletic and he can pop up anywhere and get over the game line and create that little bit of spark sometimes that, that you do need. Um, but Ruddock won't let the side down, I'm sure. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Matt, we know what this French team are bringing. They've got all the skill that you expect from a really talented French back line. They are now defensively sound, given the presence of Sean Edwards, and they've got an enormous pack, which you always get from the French. They seem better conditioned than any French side. So we know how they can hurt us. Where can we hurt the French on Sunday? Well, Dave, this is uh, this is a good side. Um, it's a side on the up. They're improving. Uh, they're, yeah, they're very, very well coached. There's been some really astute leadership of this French team that we haven't seen in many, many years. French national rugby coaching and leadership has been well behind Ireland for a decade. And they've, they've not only caught up, they've gone forward. Um, th- th- it's a very long-term plan that we're seeing the benefits of. Where can you hurt them? Well, you've, you've got to attack them at set-piece, but gee whiz, that's going to be hard to do. They're a, they're a, they're a good pack. They've got a great bench, great front rowers. Um, the, the one thing that, that – uh, and, and I would say with uh, – what to go on what Quinny was saying, it's a great back row. And that's why they're 9 and 10. Everyone's talking about your 9 and 10. When you're talking about a 9 and 10 in international rugby, give credit and a pat on the back to the numbers 1 to 8 because they lay down the platform. When 9 and 10 are having a bad game, I'll guarantee you your 1 to 8 are having a bad game as well. And this pack and their background in particular absolutely awesome. They aren't. And they can have a bad game. We saw that last year. They had a bad game up at Murrayfield. Is this a bad game for them? I don't think so. Their weakness is I would kick astutely to this team. You kick badly, as I said before, you'll get ripped apart. Sean Edwards will have a plan in defence for for Ireland. Keep your eye on DuPont. I will guarantee you DuPont will be up in the front line, sprinting out of line, going straight at Billy Burns. That's what he's done in the past at at, uh, opposition 10s. We thought he had a weakness. Ireland have to overcome that and turn it into a strength. They can counter it, but go wide off that and kick astutely with a chase. If they just run into this French defence, like they did against England, they'll get beaten by a good score. So they have to think there has to be a different attacking plan to take them on. And obviously around the ruck, you just got to stop uh, Dupont. Um, wow, that's easy for me to say sitting here in the cheap seats. He has, he's superb. He's just on the inside of every line break and, and every young knight should watch how he runs, the lines he runs. Aaron Smith was running great lines. He's taken it to another level. Uh, I think on Saturday he had a hand in three of the tries where he was in support. He wasn't the guy making the break, but he was doing the support. One was a kick, two were on runs. Just, just magic to watch. Ireland are going to have to be at their best. There's no real weakness to throw out there, Dave, but but Ireland have got to be at their best for 80 minutes. Drop their penalties down. Their penalties were way too high. Stute kicking and really hope France don't turn up like they can. And try and keep 15 men on the field for longer than uh, 14 minutes, which would uh, certainly be a welcome addition to the overall game plan. Alan, no doubt the French are going to look to target Billy Burns. They've got that enormous back row in particular. Give, do you fear that given how last weekend's game ended for him, that if he doesn't start well, that this could be a really difficult afternoon for him? And But in contrast to that, if he does start well, maybe kicks an early penalty, because we know he's a flair, streaky, confidence type of player, that he could, in fact, have a really good afternoon. Yeah, for sure. But um, I go back to what I say. The back row have got to protect him. Olivon Aldris and, and Jelenos, who starts now, and he's a really good player, uh, played in the 
France under 20s in 2017, powerful ball carrier, and uh, they've got to protect him. They've got to make sure that they're they're united and they're they're together. I think the opposite can be said. You can say you could say the same thing about Jalibert. He's such a dangerous runner of the ball. Um, he's absolutely electric in attack, but defensively he's weak, and Ireland have got to go at him. So. It's probably no, no, nothing new um, for any team and at, at any level. You want to try and go at the opposition ten. If they get a an easy ride, uh, they can they can win or lose you the game. So I think Burns. Hopefully the Irish pack can start well, lay down a platform. They can come up with a few plays. Uh, and what's really important for me, and this is this is an amazing stat when you think of it. Only Italy conceded more than France in last year's championship. We talk a lot about, I'm doing a piece tomorrow for the Indo about Sean Edwards and his defensive stuff. And when I was looking up the stats, I thought France would have been rock solid last year in defence. But I look at some of the tries. The last time they were top of the defensive charts, or they finished second in 2010, they won a Grand Slam. There's been a number of years where they've been third, a number of years where they've been fourth, fifth. And last year they were fifth uh, best defensive side in the championship. So um, he hasn't fixed everything. Um, you know, attitude and work rate and, and getting back off your feet, counter-rocking, the first point of contact, that's all integrated into defence. It's not about making a tackle and then you switch off. It's about what you do next, how you link up in the defensive line. So I still think they have a little bit to go on that. Um, so Ireland have got to build multi-phases. And that first point of contact with the ball and without the ball. And Matt talks about DuPont. He's phenomenal. He runs that upfield line when he after he passes hoping that somebody will make a break, he's back on the inside. And I think Gibson Park should track him. So when he passes, Gibson Park should follow him and track him on that inside line because he runs upfield. The Irish defence come forward. He's on the Irish side of the, of, the, of, of the line. Somebody makes a break and he's there. He scores a try nearly every week in the top 14 from doing that with Toulouse. So um, there's a lot of things they've got to get right, I think. And going back to Billy Burns, you know, if he gets some decent ball early on, if the line-out is good, um, we haven't said a lot about that That this week. Um, you know, They won seven from nine last week, but I think the quality of those seven was much better than what we've seen before. You know, The timing was better. Um, so they've got to launch some stuff off the middle and back of the line-out and get Henshaw running hard into Jolly Bear. Make sure that Ruck is quick. Get it into Burns' hands. Then he can feed Ringrose or Keenan hitting the line or else runners coming around the corner. Look, it's it's we 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 can say what they have to do. They will prepare it all week. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes you've got to play heads up rugby, and that's where Billy Burns just needs to do the simple things well. If you're kicking, just make sure that you pump it into the right areas. If there's a French player there, you get the defensive line up. That it's not bad and inaccurate kicks. And um, you know, I I just like I say, I go back to me being the player again. I. I I probably would have given out to Billy Burns last week and, and been furious initially, but I pro- I would have been up sitting beside him in the dressing room, putting his hands around him, and I would want him to be out in the field with me this week. Um, look, it can it can it could go pear shaped for Ireland. This is a very good French side. If they're conf- if they get their confidence up, their self belief, they'll believe they can come to Dublin and, and beat Ireland. So, um, you know, Gibson Park and Billy Burns are vital to how Ireland do and how they manage the game. Okay, Matt. Well, last question briefly on Ireland before we move on. Given what Alan has gone through there, the fact that we have a half-back pair with they have three test starts between them and the opposition, a French side that are absolutely flying at the moment. If Ireland won this game, would it be up there 
with any win against the French in the last 20 or 30 years, like I'm thinking 2000 at the Stade de France and how emphatic and incredible that afternoon was because I think this is an Ireland team that's suddenly going in with very little expectation on their shoulders. And that's usually when uh, Ireland pull off something unexpected, isn't it? Uh, we look over the years when they're not given a chance. That's when they come up. It's still an excellent Irish side. Uh, last week, the scrum was rock solid. The, the defensive line out taking steps forward. Our Maul had taken steps forward. Gary Ringrose had a great game. Keenan had a great game. There's lots of pluses here. Yeah, it'll be up there with with one of their better wins. And and you know what? It's it's almost going to be a regime saving win. If if Ireland lose this game, uh, the championship's over for them, and they're facing Scotland away. You know, if they lose that, they could come second last behind Italy. You know, and that that's a train smash. You know, no one wants that. I don't want that to happen. I, I want them to win. But I, I also don't think we should hide behind the, the, the size of the mountain that Ireland are on because Alan su- summarised it well. This this is it's a French side that is not finished. They can lose. They can have a bad game. But this is going to be a great French team by 2023. Right now, they're a very good French team. And Ireland will have to be significantly better than they were last week to win that game. They're at home. They've got a phenomenal record at the Aviva, but it's still a mountain they've got to climb. Yeah, and it's a huge afternoon for their head coach, Andy Farrell. He was speaking uh, to the media at today's team announcement. Let's get a little bit from him before we move on. Um, Yeah, so Johnny Johnny yesterday... um, uh, didn't come through. Didn't come through the the, the HIA protocols, James. Earlier in the week, and uh, we've just found out about Connor. Um, I found out 15 minutes ago. Actually, uh, he went for a scan on a on a, um, a slight hamstring trouble that he picked up yesterday in training. We all saw as well how emotional Billy Burns was in Cardiff last Sunday. How has he been since? He's been great. He's um, He's strong, Billy. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a he's a proper footballer, um, and you know he he realised it is what it is. You know, everyone makes mistakes, and uh, uh, international rugby he understands the extent of that. But he's uh, he's a true professional. His team are right behind him, etc., and he's trained outstanding this week. Okay, so that was Ireland head coach Andy Farrell. We have a little bit of time left, Matt and Alan Quinlan still with me for a look at tomorrow's games, the first of which is England-Italy. That kicks off at Twickenham at 2.15. Five changes for England. Courtney Laws has been added to the back row. Macavanapola, Kyle Sinkler and Luke Cowan-Dickey form a brand new front row. And the only change to the back line is the team captain Owen Farrell has shifted back to the centre. George Ford starts at fly half. Matt, I have to say I've got some sympathy for Ollie Lawrence. He didn't get to make a carry until the 63rd minute against the Scots. And now he finds himself fired out of the match day squad altogether. Yeah, very tough, isn't it? International rugby is a cutthroat business. Uh, I've, I've got to say, Mia Culpa, Dave Oliver came out last week and said it was the best English side I've since they won in 2003. And I was singing their praises, so Eddie Jones can blame me. Um, so there was a bit of humble pie to be eaten. I, I thought, I just couldn't believe, I'm not taking anything away from Scotland. Scotland were absolutely magnificent and they deserve every piece of praise was sent their way but gee the Saracens players for England really showed they've had very very little rugby in a long period of time Uh, and and I think what Eddie Jones is saying is you know I'm going to keep getting these horses out and racing them Uh, Billy Billy Vunapala was absolutely appalling last week from being one of the probably the best number eight in the world 
uh, at some stages last year. He was poor, uh, appalling. Worst game I've seen Owen Farrell play. Moved him in to inside centre and brought Ford back. And the whole front row was poor as well. Jamie George, I thought, you know, was poor. But they don't look fit as well, which is something I've never said about an Eddie Jones side. Eddie Jones is... He's 101. You've got to be world-class fit. And those those Saracens boys just, just weren't at the races. I would not like to be Italy this week. I would not like to be Italy this week. This is still a very good England side. Morons coming out and saying, drop Farrell, Eddie Jones, an idiot. Like, you know, they've, they've, they've got to the World Cup final. They won the Six Nations. They won the Nations Cup. And they lose a game and the morons come out from under rocks. Forget about it. That's still a very good England side that could win the next five games. But they need some some miles under their belt for those Saracens players. Who would love to bring Courtney Laws back in and Vinnie Vunapola and Sinclair? You know, like Lions, brilliant players, long-term internationals. They, they're going to win by a considerable margin. 28 defeats and counting for the Italians, Alan. It's almost certainly going to be 29 by the full-time whistle at Twickenham tomorrow. And again, <laughs> this old chestnut rears its head in the build-up to this game. Where do you stand on the whole Italy need to be removed from the Six Nations debate? I don't think, I don't think they need to be removed. I think, I think there needs to be... It seriously needs to be looked at a relegation um, scenario for the Six Nations. Um, I suppose the top unions, and, and probably in particular Ireland, Scotland and Wales, if they were to have a bad Six Nations and Italy were to, you know, they've they've very few wins in a tournament, were to beat them and one of the top top uh, teams went and was relegated. I think that's the big danger. Um, I think there needs to be some sort of an incentive for for Tier Two and the the second level of the Six Nations to try and get up and and dine with the top top teams. Um, Look, I, 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 there's a lot of change in that Italian side again. A lot of young players um, they've brought into the team, but it's probably gone on a long time. And it's difficult if you're an Italian player and you're 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 getting whooped every week. Um, it's 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 tough going for them, but uh, it definitely needs to be looked at. And you know, the team that have been mentioned a lot are Georgia. Um, you know, should they be given a crack at it? And uh, they played in the Nations Cup. They accounted themselves uh, pretty well. And um, maybe this should be a playoff situation where the bottom team of the Six Nations plays the top team in Tier Two of the Six Nations, and and see if they can uh, if they can acquit themselves and beat them, or, or give the opportunity to the team the the, the the second tier to try and come up into the, the Six Nations. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the youth of that Italian team. Looking at their halfbacks, they have a combined age of 39. Paolo Garbisi and Steve Varney, which is quite incredible going to an England team that are obviously heavily wounded after what happened last weekend. It was the Scots, Matt, that inflicted those wounds. Uh, their team has been named today as well. And I have to admit, I my heart fell for a moment when I saw the fact that uh, Cam Redpad won't be playing tomorrow. And it's it's desperately unfortunate that he, he's unable to build on what he produced last week because he was so impressive on his debut, he has been replaced in midfield by James Lang and a couple of other changes, of course, on the Scots as well. They've lost uh, Sean Maitland, who's replaced by Darcy Graham, and Blade Thompson has come into the back row to replace Jamie Ritchie. What impressed you most about Redpat a week ago, Matt? And while well, you're not going to see him tomorrow, how much of a difference can he make to the Scots going forward? Well, um, first of all, it was quite depressing because I coached his father, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, which was... Quite a savouring moment. Um, it, it, I just thought he got across the gain line so well. Um, a big rangey guy. Brian's a 
little his dad's a little uh, tenacious scrum half, but he's also his passing game for the the try the the, the solo try that. Scotland scored. He threw an absolutely magnificent pass on the run, took the ball out in front from Finn Russell, one step, drew his man uh, and fired an absolutely immaculate pass that created space out wide that that really led to the, the space for the try. There was a fair bit of work to be done before it was scored, but he he had a had a great game. My, my, my concern for the Scots is that they have lost a few players. Uh, to injury, Maitland's a big blow, and, and the, their back row were absolutely sensational. The question for the Scots is, can they recover emotionally? Because not only when you have a game like that that's historic, you're up on this unbelievable high, and you and you feel wonderful. Sometimes it's Wednesday or Thursday till you get back down to reality, and you're focusing. Oh, gee, by the way, we got Wales on Saturday, so that's that can be just as disruptive to a team as a bad loss. So with those guys out and Wales. You know, all of a sudden, with a little bit of energy, this is going to be a very interesting game uh, at at, uh, at Murrayfield. And I don't think it's just the give me to Scotland that we all thought. I think this is going to be a lot more of a battle. I do favour the Scots, but I think this is going to be a lot more of a battle than uh, a lot of people are thinking. Alan, the two Scottish franchises are in a bad place at the moment. Neither Edinburgh or Glasgow are making any kind of an imprint on the Pro 14, but they've so many of their top players playing in mainly in England, but. It, in France as well, the likes of Hogg and Russell and Chris Harris, Johnny Gray, Maitland and Red Pat too, although they're not involved tomorrow. Is that, while damaging maybe Scottish rugby in the Pro 14, is it helping the national side deliver these big performances? Because they're having their players play with better players every week in more competitive leagues. Yeah, probably uh, more intensity week in, week out. I think um, it's probably fair to say that. And, and there's a fair argument to say that they're, it is benefiting Scotland, uh, but we don't really know where they are, where they're at. Yes, um, they were always going to be up for England. They were always going to bring passion, emotion. Um, could they deliver it over eighty minutes? They did. The weather conditions deteriorated. England were dreadful. Um, I'd be very fearful, and it's a bit of a wake-up call to all Irish fans and, and the Irish team if, for if they can keep this bit of momentum going. If they, you know, if Scotland were to win tomorrow, um, then they go to France. You know, that's going to be a tall order going to Paris. But they're right in the mix and they'll believe now and Gregor Townsend will believe that they can take this to a, to, to a next level and then beat Ireland in, in Murrayfield in, in round four. And uh, then they've got Italy. So they could be in the mix and, and he'll look at tomorrow as a must-win must game. Um, so, yeah, you could. it's definitely... Um, it looks that way that their, their players are benefiting from... Um, from playing in, 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 in the Premiership and a couple in France as well. So um, Glasgow have gone back a huge amount in the last couple of years. Edinburgh are probably on a, you know, they were on an upward trajectory and, and probably have plateaued a little bit now. Um, so, but, you know, there's a lot of good players there and, and I'm sorry Redpath isn't played. I thought he was fantastic last week. Uh, Van der Merwe, doing Van der Merwe was brilliant on the wing as well. A real A real weapon for them. Uh, Jamie Ritchie doesn't play in the back row. I thought Watson and Fagerson in particular. I'm, I'm, I've watched him for a couple of years, and I think he's he's accelerated to the next level where I thought he could get and was outstanding. So it's it's a very good Scottish side, but I agree with Matt. You know, Wales have a little opportunity here. Um, they've got a little spark. They've four or five bloody injuries from last week. It's very very tough on Wayne Pivac. You know, George North is out now. Um, Liam Williams is back. He's a boost from. He'll bring that experience. But 
Um, the the number six jersey seems to be uh, cursed in Wales at the moment with Lydia last week and Navidi is gone now. And um, so Aaron Waitwright comes into the back row. He's a very good player. So Wales have a little opportunity there. And I think I agree with Matt. It's going to be a tight game, that one. Yeah, last question on this game, Matt. Could you take anything really from a Welsh point of view in terms of them potentially having turned the corner under Wayne Pivak after a desperately poor 2020? Can you take anything from that win over Ireland? Or given the red card shown to Peter Omani, is it actually really hard to take any learnings at all from that game? Dave, when you look at the stats for that game, any you put that in front of any rugby analyst and said, who wins the game and they don't know the score? They'd say, Ireland win this game by 10, 15 points. But the stats were just unbelievably weighted to Ireland, more than 100% in certain key areas, 71% possession to Ireland. You just thought there's no way they could lose that game. So the one thing you take out of that is that Welsh team have got some spirit, they got some guts, but they can tackle. And that was something they were doing poorly after Sean Edwards left and went to France. And they they have really got their D uh, back together. Gethin Jenkins is, is now the D coach, and he's got them back playing a Sean Edwards type of uh, of game. I can't remember the number, but I think it was 178 tackles. I might be wrong on that. Don't hold me to that. But it was more than 100% more tackles than Ireland did. So they can tackle. And, and you know, Alan knows this. The way you defend is the barometer of a team's spirit and heart. If your team comes out and will tackle to the last man, that's a team that's got some some X factor within them. And, and, and that's the problem with Italy. Italy don't do that. Italy miss tackle after tackle week after week. The Welsh don't do it. So that means they're going up there with a lot of spirit, a lot of courage, and they're going to say, we're going to defend again, hoping that their attack, something starts coming in. They're minus their top four centres. So this is centre five and six coming in here now. You know, imagine that with us. Like, we'd all we'd be down, we'd be bringing in guys that have never played or might have one cap for Ireland now coming into into the uh, starting for a major test match. So they've they're really got some injury problems, but you can't question their courage. And Pivac will, will build on that. Uh, whether it's enough to win this week, that, that remains to be seen. I think it's advantage Scotland, but they have got a little bit, Dave. Okay, well, look, we're going to leave it there, lads. Matt, we won't get your prediction. Our listeners are going to have to tune into Virgin Media One to get that tomorrow. Matt's going to be in studio with Joe Malloy and Ian McKinley. Shane Horgan's also going to be with us, giving us his thoughts. We're on air from half one on Virgin Media One tomorrow. Alan will be on commentary duty with myself for England, Italy, and again for the big one on Sunday when Joe's going to be joined in studio by Matt and Owen Redden and Ronan O'Gara will also be offering his insight. So a huge weekend ahead. Thanks a million to you for listening to the VMTV Rugby Pod. For myself, Matt and Alan, enjoy the games this weekend and we'll chat to you again next week. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 